You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Hey everyone, welcome to Cyberwire X, a series of specials where we highlight important security topics affecting security professionals worldwide. I'm Rick Howard, N2K's Chief Security Officer and the Cyberwire's Chief Analyst and Senior Fellow. And today we're talking about CNAPs, Cloud Native Application Protection Platforms. And that is a mouthful. After the break, we'll take a deep dive look about this relatively new complexity reduction tool and why you should consider deploying one. Come right back. Panoptica, Cisco's cloud application security solution, provides end-to-end lifecycle protection for cloud-native application environments. It empowers organizations to safeguard their APIs, serverless functions, containers, and Kubernetes environments. Panoptica ensures comprehensive cloud security, compliance, and monitoring at scale, offering deep visibility, contextual risk assessments, and actionable remediation insights for all of your cloud assets. Get more information on Panoptica's website, panoptica.app. That's P-A-N-O-P-T-I-C-A dot app. Today at the CyberWire Hash Table, I'm joined by Tim Miller, the technical marketing engineer at Panoptico, Cisco's cloud application security solution, discovered and acquired by their new products and markets incubation engine called Outship just last year, and Kevin Ford, the CISO at Esri, and a veteran Hash Table discussion member. I started out by asking Tim to give a high-level description of what these CNAPs are and how they might be useful. When we deploy our cloud-native apps in the cloud, you know, we've got all these different layers that we have to prepare before we even, you know, start running that application. Deploying cloud accounts, configuring them, giving the access, the network topology, you know, if I'm using AWS terminology, VPCs have to be constructed, subnets, the whole kit and caboodle, all the way up to actually then the services that we're going to consume, building a Kubernetes cluster and such. So all of those things have settings, all those things have security concerns. And so a CNAP platform is designed to look at every single layer that goes into building your application, including the build process. So the the expression uh, we see in Gartner all the time is code to cloud, right? So it is literally from when developers are writing the code to how you're deploying and operating and monitoring it in the cloud. So when I first uh, started thinking about this topic, I was thinking CNAP is just another version of a firewall, but that's not really what it is at all, is it? It's not doing protection. Is it more just configuration management? Is is that it? That's certainly where the industry started. And, and I'd say up until the past year, yeah, it's been off primarily focused, I'll say, on posture assessments, pulling down all those configs, doing posture assessment from you know seven different ways to Sunday, as the expression goes, right? But recently, detection and response has gotten you know a lot of traction in this space as well. So now we're going beyond just how it's configured and daily scans. 
using what we would call in the industry an agentless approach to actually needing to start building in agents, deploying agents and instrumenting the cloud platforms, the services and and getting telemetry from them so we can detect uh, incidents going on. So, Kevin, uh, you've been a CISO of a company called Ursi. Is that how you pronounce it, Ursi? Yeah, Esri, Environmental Systems Research Institute, yeah. Esri. <laughs> it's the reason I asked, man. <laughs> and you've been there for almost three years now, and then according to the website, uh, you guys build geographic information system software for location intelligence and mapping, something the marketing people call the science of where, which I just love. What a great tagline that is. And you guys have been deploying these CNET platforms for a while. So can you give us a sense of how you guys are deployed architecturally without giving any details away? And then how these kind of platforms benefit you guys and why you like them so much? Sure, yeah. So I think to understand this CNAP uh, space, you kind of have to understand where we've been a little bit historically with the cloud. If you look back a decade or more ago, you know, we were kind of in cloud architectures that resembled more of a data center in the cloud with virtualization. Um, but as we moved forward and and started to develop and adopt cloud native solutions, things like APIs, containerization, Docker containers, that sort of thing, um, we needed new types of uh, security software uh, to secure all of that. Um, so, you know, a CNAP is, is kind of a um, collection of a lot of different capabilities associated with securing these cloud-native um, applications that we use to build our products, to build, um, to build our, our corporate environment, um, those sorts of things. And so we use them largely for uh, container security, looking at uh, container workloads, making sure those are secure. Uh, we use them uh, to you know, help uh, understand the posture of our, our clouds, how the uh, network is deployed, how um, the various aspects of each of our uh, cloud environments are deployed. And it's actually really helpful also to uh, cross the bridges between our multi-cloud environments, right? So where in the past we were using potentially vendor-specific tools, for instance, the tools that AWS comes with or the tools that Azure comes with, now we can use a CNAP platform to bring that all under one pane of glass. And that's also been very effective for us. That's what I was going to ask, and that's the kind of marketing line for these things, is that uh, you can use one, one platform and configure multiple cloud environments. But is it really that easy, Kevin? I mean, uh, I, I, am, I want to configure a container in AWS. I also want to configure a container, and for security-wise, you know, in Azure, let's say, okay? Is it really just use the CNAP and it knows how to configure those things in those environments? Yeah, it's it's not exactly that easy, right? Um, if it was, they'd be selling these like hotcakes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are, you know, there there is some uh, there is some um, some work that needs to go into uh, integrate all of this. But we're talking about a tremendously large suite of uh, capabilities that these things have. You know, where where we were looking at separate tools in the past for uh, you know container security, for um, endpoint detection and response in the cloud, for virtualized things. Um, for uh, entitlement management, um, you know, and understanding our access model, you know, all of this, all of this stuff can be done uh, with CNAP. And I, I would hate to say that we're using every aspect of a CNAP, right? Um, there are certainly things that we still do um, in in 
different technologies, but more and more, I think we find ourselves moving into, uh, you know, the, the CNAP world and, and trying to centrally manage it. Tim, this, it feels like this is a platform that kind of bridges the gap between manual configuration that we all used to love to do and some sort of automatic CICD pipeline that the IT guys like to do. This platform allows us to automate some of the things that we would screw up if we had to do them over and over again manually. Am I wrong about that? Is that the right way to say that? No, that that is the right way to say it, especially on the, the code side of that code to cloud, right? So we need to instrument those pipelines so that these tests are automated. And so these CNAP platforms have that capability of running security tests as part of you know, a pull request, you know, a merge event, for example, or whenever, you know, the day's over and they're just committing their code, right, before they, they log out at night. So all of these tests can be triggered and, you know, and the different, there's a whole suite of these tests from things like linting, for example, to make sure it meets certain code standards and you're doing best practice from a software editing, for lack of a better phrase, a software editing uh, perspective, all the way through, uh, you know, actually identifying uh, security problems. You know, some of these things embed into their integrated development environments, their IDEs, and then some of them are just in the source code management platforms uh, where they check in the code. So it's really all about getting that automation. And then, of course, uh, to Kevin's point, aggregating that information up into a central platform that then the security teams have the breadth of information and the developers can access it too, right? They, they have this breadth of information about their holistic um, security posture across that entire spectrum of stack, you know, that entire stack that they're, that defines their application. So Kevin, let me uh, drill down on that a bit, right? So, so can we use these CNET platforms as like an intelligence platform? Cause you're, you're connecting to all these applications in the cloud. Um, I'm collecting telemetry, let's say, like we used to do in the old days for the hardware platforms. Can you use it like that? Is that one use case for it? Um, potentially, you know, I, I think still probably you're going to be looking, um, if you're looking at, for instance, threat intelligence, you're still probably going to be looking at piping that into a, a SIM. Um, now some of the uh, CNAP Platforms may have kind of a, a native sim-like um, experience, but if you're, you know, a larger organization and you value the uh, business, you know, uh, logs and the intelligence from around the business, you're still probably going to be using a central uh, sim to evaluate things like workload protection. Um, there is some meaningful uh, data to be gleaned here around, you know, uptime and um, how, you know, how uh, my cloud load is looking and, and, and that sort of thing. It's not a souped-up XDR platform. That's not what this is. So it's not that. We're not connecting APIs and things. What's the difference between what a CNET platform is and an XDR platform? Well, I, th I think the important point, and to key off what Kevin said, it's the CNET platform is really focused on cloud-based applications, cloud-native applications. So... And, and an organization isn't, I mean, there are some, don't get me wrong, but most organizations aren't going to be only in the cloud. They're, they're going to have resources outside of that, that really a CNAP today, <laughs> who knows where these things are going because they're evolving very quickly. But today, CNAP's not going to cover everything. SIM is a great example of that, right? There's a whole lot of telemetry from other parts of the business that need to go into the SIM perspective and, and, and get the rich intelligence of SIM can provide, 
right? Synapse certainly feed into that, but they're not going to be your end all be all Synapse destination, primarily because there's also a crap ton of data in there, right? So that that's you know most of these Synapse are SaaS based offerings, and you're going to struggle to find most of the Synapse vendors hosting that much data. In fact. I'd like to say most of us try and shy away from storing as much customer-specific data in the cloud because then we become the targets of, of attack vectors, right? We become an attack vector for your environment. So we like, you know, from a CNAP perspective to come in, do whatever intelligence in your cloud environment, right? So when we're doing uh, container scans, for example, we're going to do those container uh, assessments in your in your environment so any private access to the re registry is is stays local you know any sensitive information that might be on that container that we discover we're going to flag as being there but we're not necessarily going to export the raw data and then potentially compromise your account so all that to say it's a a piece of the puzzle xdr is certainly something that you know cnap platforms can export to or, or be a part of as well uh, i know my particular one does, uh, you know, with with the ones that the the XDR and Secure SecureX here at Cisco, we're integrating with those kind of platforms, and, and others could too. So, Tim, one clarification point: uh, a crap ton of data is that the technical term we're using for that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's slightly slightly uh, a larger amount than a truckload versus you know a, a station wagon full of uh, tapes. You know, show my age here. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin. Though I mentioned firewalls at the beginning of this, it feels like when all the Firewall vendors went to the cloud and built software firewalls like Cisco and Checkpoint and Palo Alto Networks and Fortinet and all those guys. It feels like this is something those platforms would eventually do. Is uh, the software firewall merging with a CNAP platform or are we going to keep these two things separate? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I see the uh, firewall itself merging with the CNAP platform or things like CASB, uh, but it is, you know, it is kind of in that same realm of your kind of your complete breakfast as far as it's concerned as, uh, you know, uh, your, your cloud security. You're going to want to have those things as well. Um, this is more if you focus at kind of at the application stack, put, trying to push um, identifying uh, vulnerabilities or even, uh, you know, malware or hidden secrets in your code, in your dependencies and making sure it doesn't make its way up into the cloud. Um, and then also monitoring the workloads while they're in the cloud, right? And so one of the things you you said that actually kind of resonated uh, to me, Tim, is that, yeah, this can potentially be seen as maybe part of a complete XDR solution, right? Particularly when we get into the uh, area of, of workload protection, workload analysis, that sort of thing, where we're not just looking for um, configuration issues, but we're actually starting to uh, get into the abilities of, uh, you know, looking at system calls and scrutinizing those. Um, so it's not just about misconfigurations anymore. We can also start to look at, you know, what our uh, what our uh, workloads are doing in either serverless or uh, container environments, and that's very important. And that gives us kind of the same lens that we get from more traditional XDR technologies, um, like EDRs that feed into XDR. These things are Swiss Army knives of capability. They can do lots of things. My personal favorite of this is just the reduction of complexity, especially if you're in a multi-cloud environment. 
that's what would appeal to me if I was considering buying one of these tools. But what's your favorite thing that uh, CNAP does that you think is very valuable? Certainly bringing everything into one, I hate to say the, hate to say it, uh, you know, single pane of glass, right? Yeah. Bringing all of this information together is, is certainly key. But honestly, if you don't do it right, if you're not doing more than that, right? I, I can have 12 different risk engines, you know, generating alerts from, you know, detection and response to workload protection to vulnerabilities from the pipeline. I could have pages and pages of red. So, the the goal of a CNAP is not only just to bring it together, to, but to bring context to it. So, the the real promise and, and the real value is when you when you're prioritizing these risks, bring you know putting you know looking at them in their context so that you can identify those things that you need to remediate first. Because every one of those risk engines is going to give you a prioritized list from its myopic perspective, right? So. CVEs, you know, they have CVSS scores, right? And, you know, they're all nine point, well, I won't say they're all, but most of them are 9.8. How do I tell these 109.8s from those 109.8s, right? And there's products out there that help you to do that from just a vulnerability perspective and some telemetry from the internet. But, you know, if that workload's not public, if it's behind, you know, if it's private access and you've done a whole lot of mitigating controls to make sure nobody can get to it, do I need to make that my first priority or is the public facing one, the one I need to mitigate, right? So the real value that CNAMPs bring, especially when you're dealing with the attack path analysis, um, is to look at those in their context and prioritize your risks. And that's really, that's really where uh, CNAPs uh, shine. If they do that attack path analysis right and, and, and prioritize it well, then that, that's gold for a SecOps engineer. So double down on that for me, Tim, because you and I talked about that in the pre-work before we started recording. Explain to me what attack path analysis is in the context of a CNAP. What does that mean? Sure. To continue that thought of, of these risk engines, right? I've got all these different things that will do a posture assessment, look at misconfigurations and things like that. The detection and response will give me alerts. From API security, I'm looking at the traffic, I'm looking at the traces that are generated by those REST API calls and getting sensitive data detection and things like that. All these alerts are parts of your application. And really what attack path analysis is about is putting the MITRE attack framework to work, right? We, we know this, uh, you know, there's all these te uh, techniques and tactics, right? And so how do I move laterally through an environment, you know, I have as the owner of that environment, I see it all, right? And so can I use this tool, can I use the CNAP to look at these misconfigurations and look at the, the various vulnerabilities and stitch together a path through my environment from public access to, you know, crypto mining? A CNAP can find open pathways across the intrusion kill chain that you may not know that you had. Exactly. We know what Panda Bear's attack path is because of the MITRE attack framework. Does it tell us that you're open to Panda Bear or are we still waiting for that to happen in a CNAP environment? So you can write specific queries to look for that particular attack. You have to do that yourself at this point. Yeah. Okay. Right. So you, you either do it or, you know, the community has written it for, you know, there's popular CNAPs out there. So there's a, a body of work that uh, that um, enthusiasts have put out there. Or if your attack path analysis is algorithmic, 
yeah, and you give it kind of the basic framework for that attack, it can find that plus variations of it. So you don't necessarily, so you can do very specific queries and look for that specific thing. And if you've got it, then you'll find it. But if there's variations to that attack that develop, you're going to miss those until you write those specific queries. And that's where attack path analysis that, that use algorithmic or you know generic query approaches, um, that's where they'll shine in that they'll not only find what you're specifically looking for, but they know how to be generic enough from an algorithm perspective to find those things you're, or find variations of it and find things you're not looking for. So Kevin, do you, you think there's a world in the future where the vendors will provide, they'll suck in the attack path from say Panda Bear and, and say, hey, you're wide open to this, as opposed to them uh, customers having to figure out themselves, because that's what I would want as a, See, so I want them to, they got the intelligence team. They should be able to tell me that, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I think that's where it's going. That's where I hope it's going. That kind of high level context is really important for uh, a security manager or a CISO. Um, it's, it's the MITRE attack uh, framework and there's one for cloud as well is a, is a very, very um, powerful tool of understanding the stepping stones to, to getting hacked and, and making sure that when we talk about shifting left, we're, we're cutting off um, the ability of an attack um, as, as close to the entry point as possible. Um, so, you know, a CNAP can do a lot of things that can help us um, understand and identify the steps along the attack path. Um, things like understanding specific vulnerabilities that a, uh, a particular threat vector would use. Um, understanding, I talked a little bit about uh, the infrastructure and posture. So understanding the posture and infrastructure of my underlying cloud account, how things are engineered, not just within the workloads, but um, you know all the supporting infrastructure and things also like entitlement management, understanding who can get to what from where, right? Uh, that can really help you understand what the potential for lateral movement is as well. So there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of handy tools in there that can help with that, that cloud attack framework and, and evaluate that I would love to see a uh, you know a, a company put together a attack uh, map something that's more of a stepping stone chart that I could you know bring the CEO in or CIO and point and say hey you know this is where we have an issue um, so the attacker can walk across this path and this path but you know we've blocked this path and they can't go anywhere that's always been my dream um, to be able to to just kind of show that. But so I think there are a lot of tools in CNAP that can help us illustrate that. Um, but I'd love to actually see a company put one of those together as a visual. It would be pretty cool. The last time I checked the Miter Tech framework, there was about 150 active campaigns that they're tracking, mostly nation state. They don't really track criminal groups that well. But if you talk to Microsoft or you talk to anybody else really, like the FBI, they think there's about 100 active cybercrime groups. So if we could have built into the CNAB all those attack paths and let it tell us that, hey, you guys are open to 25 of these attacks, that would be very useful, I think. Right? So that's my dream too, Kevin. That's what I'd love to see. Tim, since ChatGPT first came out at the end of 2022, we broadcast out of the state of Maryland, and by Maryland state law, we're not allowed to even record a podcast unless we talk about the implications of large language models, machine learning, and the future of AI. So where do you see all that fitting in uh, to the CNET platform? 
Well, the first easy step, I think, is because there's so much capability in there, so many of those risk engines that feed data in, custom reporting is hard to do, right? Yeah, some, some vendors are doing you know, fairly well at it, some not so much, but I think that is probably the easiest benefit. And we see that already coming out you know, we're going to, we're going to announce something here soon. Our competitors have as well. So the ability to basically have an AI bot to help me navigate the platform, right? Doing simple things like show me, you know, the, the five latest, you know, vulnerabilities that showed up in my, you know, in my environment overnight. Yeah. So, so that, that nice AI bot type of chat ops approach to your platform, except backed by, natural language processing, right? You know, the whole benefit of, you know, conversational interactions with my CNAP platform. Yeah, not a Terminator sentient being, but the large language models will help us navigate the CNAP platform with more efficiently. Is that what you're saying? More uh, uh, humorously call it the C-3PO of AI, <laughs> right? So it, it'll, it'll be this nice, little, uh, this nice little bot to help you navigate all the different uh, aspects of your platform. Kevin, what's your take on this? You have to weigh in on the AI discussion. So uh, what do you think? Yeah, it seems like I'm always talking about AI these days. Um, yeah, within you know within security tools, not just within CNAPs, uh, we're starting to see the emergence of uh, AI bots. And, and exactly the way Tim uh, described it is they're kind of helpers for a particular uh, suite of tools. And so they're of... I would say of mixed effectiveness. It depends on what your uh, per, what your organizational security workflow is. If you have analysts working directly in those tool sets, it can be very helpful. Um, but if you're a large organization or an organization that generally relies on SIM tools, um, you know you have multiple of those sorts of suites of tools, right? And so that um, becomes kind of less helpful. Um, that doesn't mean it's not a value add for the product. You can, you know, if you see something in a SIM tool and decide to go under the hood with any one of these, you know, particular security tools, um, you can use that AI to uh, to help an analyst too. It's generally someone who, you know, sits in the SIM tool level, um, understand what they're looking for in that uh, in that deeper security tool level. So uh, it just really depends on your your workflow and, like I said, how you interact with the security tools. So guys, we're getting to the end of this. If you could give the audience one takeaway about why they should be using a CNAP platform, let's say, what would it be? I would say the the easiest takeaway here is that there's far too much complexity in deploying just a single web service to a cloud. I mean, just you're, you're dealing with at, at the bare minimum a dozen different services you have to configure, and that's the most basic application you can deploy. And and quite frequently, we see hundreds, uh, you know, just when I deploy a Kubernetes cluster, my list has 35 different services that go into deploying a Kubernetes service. It's extremely complex. It's too much for a single human or a team of humans to keep in mind all the different ways that I can move laterally through that system. So you have to have it. It's, it's, it's table stakes for operating applications in the cloud. So uh, it does a lot of things, but the, probably the number one, according to you, Tim, is it's complexity reducer. I'll just give that the Twitter line, all right? How about you, Kevin? Man, I'm just going to jump on what Tim said uh, to begin with. Yeah, reducing complexity, that's huge uh, for us. You know, being able to uh, use a tool to essentially manage all this is, is a really 
big step in the right direction. I'll also say that, you know, before CNAP was coined as a term, a lot of these functionalities existed. Um, they're just kind of getting packaged into this larger CNAP uh, suite. So if you're someone who's cost conscious, which I think all of us are, bundle and save. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> get yourself exactly a CNAP, right. don't buy all these things individually. <laughs> um, yeah, so. We're seeing that consolidation happening. Um, all, all the vendors are acquiring different, you know, different startups to to build out that portfolio because, you know, data security is a big one where we're seeing acquisitions happen in 2023. So, yeah, it's 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 a growing space, and, and you're just going to see that functionality continue to consolidate in a, in a CNAP platform. I used to be one of those guys, you know, that I'd always want the very best tool, the shiny object. Let me have a thousand of those things. Right? But as I've gotten older, I'm, I, I don't have the energy to manage that. So give me something easy. It may not be the best tool, but at least it gets the job done. And like you said, the complexity is a lot lower, right? So I appreciate that. Well, I have learned a lot about CNAVs, more than I did before we started this program. So I appreciate you guys coming on and helping this. But before I let you go, I always like to give the audience point them in the direction of good content. Anything interesting you've been reading, Tim, that you want to point people to? I've been catching up on uh, all the state of, you know, state of affairs for 2023. Because it's the end of the year and new year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, and so the GitLab uh, state of DevSecOps was uh, a very interesting read, uh, specifically about, you know, the AI, how AI is helping software development. There's a lot of interesting insights in there. Perfect. Uh, how about you, Kevin? Yeah, if you're uh, if you're a federal contractor, you should be aware of the new uh, CMMC uh, proposed rule is out. So if you want to dig through hundreds of pages of legalese, uh, do that. Um, but we talked a lot about uh, the MITRE ATT&CK framework, and I'm a big fan of that, as you could probably tell. Um, and so something I've been digging through recently is the uh, MITRE ATT&CK evaluations um, around uh, different security tools. It's a pretty nice site they put together, and then you can actually go and find some real neat third-party dashboards um, also. So um, something probably every CISO should be aware of. I've been reading Andy Greenberg's Tracers in the Dark book, probably the best cybercrime book I've read in the last decade. And it pretty much blows away any idea that we had that crypto stuff was anonymous. Uh, the good guys know how to break all that. I'll just say that. And it's a fabulous story. So everybody should go out and read Tracers in the Dark. Well, boys, we did a good job here. Thanks for coming on the show. And then we'll talk to you all later. We'd like to thank Tim Miller, the technical marketing engineer at Panoptica, Cisco's cloud application security solution, and Kevin Ford, the CISO at Esri, for helping us get our arms around this relatively new security tool that might help you reduce the complexity within your security stack. And we'd like to thank Panoptica for sponsoring the show. Finally, to learn more about cloud-native application protection platforms, consider attending the Cisco Live EMEA conference in Amsterdam in just a few weeks, February 5 through 8. The conference URL is in the show notes. This has been a production of the CyberWire and N2K, and we feel privileged that podcasts like CyberWireX are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500, and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, 
people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at Intuk.com. Our senior producer is Jennifer Eidman. Our sound engineer is Trey Hester. And I'm Rick Howard. Thanks for listening.